This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's 7.07 a.m. on Thursday, the 2nd of March. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jansen and Wong Xiaoning. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss Malaysia's bilateral ties with the Philippines in light of our Prime Minister currently on a visit there. Uh, but as always, we're going to kickstart this morning with a recap on how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were mixed. Dow was up marginally by 0.02%. S&P 500 down 0.5%. Nasdaq down 0.7%. Asian markets were also mixed. The Nikkei was up by 0.3%. Hang Seng, it popped. It up, was up by 4.2%. Shanghai Composite up by 1%. Straits Times Index down by 0.2%. And the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.3%. It's everywhere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's no trend. <laughs> well, we're going to try and, uh, you know, kind of peel some trends with Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Tony, good morning. Um, let's review what happened back in February. Yeah, It wasn't such a great month for U.S. equities. We did see the Dow and S&P 500 um, both lose 4, 4% and 2.6% respectively. Um, where do you see the stock market heading in March? Is it going to be more volatility or perhaps uh, brighter skies on the horizon? Oh, yeah, it's going to be pretty choppy. Um, generally, we expect U.S. markets to have a down month, um, not down as much as it had been in Feb, but we do expect another down month. Obviously, if the Fed comes in with a, a very hawkish uh, meeting, then we could see more chop there. Um, uh, you know, we do expect uh, China to be down this month as well. Um, that kind of goes against what we've seen in, in the um, in news early this month, but um, uh, but we, we are seeing China down uh, markedly, say more than two percent uh, this month as well. Um, good news is we expect Birth of Malaysia to be up about one percent. So um, while we see chop in other areas, we may see uh, Malaysia do you know squeak out a, a good positive month. And Tony, as the U.S. earnings season starts to taper off, what is your assessment of the results that have been released so far, in particular the most cyclical consumer-facing companies? Yeah, so the quality of earnings uh, reported so far are not great. So uh, for every dollar of profits, only about 88 cents was matched by cash flows. That's the, that's the largest discrepancy since at least 1990. Um, so that means 12% are from kind of non-cash uh, earnings. So it's really kind of accounting and other things. Um, so what we're seeing, especially on the consumer side, is uh, some companies are passing along price hikes, and we see some of them doing that, you know, really successfully. I think we've talked about that here before, where you know they'll price they'll hike between eight and say fifteen percent, uh, and their volume, their sales volume will be down maybe five percent, something like that. Um, that's really helped the top line and margin expansion. But the real question is for how long can they keep raising those prices and kind of sacrificing uh, transaction volume? So there's a real question there. But many of those companies have said they're going to continue to raise prices into uh, later in 23. Um, problem is when we run into a company like Kohl's, which is a retailer here in the U.S. that reported today, and it was all bad. They're, they're losing uh, customers. They're not able to keep with their costs um, and other things. So 
for those companies that cannot pass along price hikes for whatever reason, it's really bad news for them. Um, and, you know, in the, the, uh, the inflation that they're importing from their vendors, it's just squeezing their margins. And in some cases, they're losing money. So um, I, th- I don't think the quality of earnings improves from here for at least two quarters. So that's, you know, that's just something to think about as we go into the next, you know, uh, Q1 and Q2 earnings. Okay, I want to come back to interest rates, Tony, because I'm reading Bloomberg and it seems like the the street is now expecting a terminal rate of 5.6%. Honestly, this changes every day. It was 5.4% not too long ago. But what does this then mean for the US dollar? Is Are we back to the reign of King Dollar again? Well, if we see um, a more hawkish Fed, then I would say, yes, that's probably the case. So, you know, what we would likely see are are things like, um, you know, 25 basis points, at least for the next um, three meetings, if not longer. OK, um, if we continue to see hot inflation, as we've seen over the past couple of days, um, they could do a surprise 50. I, I, I don't think that's what they're going to do, but we can't rule it out. Um, we could also see quantitative tightening, meaning the Fed could unload, say, more mortgage-backed securities or other things, accelerate that from their balance sheet. Because housing is still pretty hot, actually. Um, prices aren't moving that much. So we could see the Fed uh, move on MBS or some other things to accelerate that off of their balance sheet. I don't think that's highly likely, but it's a possibility. So all of those bode well for the dollar, uh, for dollar strength. And if that happens, yeah, we would definitely see uh, see things, see the dollar rise generally. Can we take a look at what's happening over on U- in U.S. Congress, Tony? There's a newly formed mm-hmm. House committee aimed at aiming examining economic competition between the U.S. and China. I think they held their first hearing um, earlier this week. What was the outcome? And do you think um, as a result, we're just going to see more trade conflicts between these two superpowers? Yeah, um, so there, there's a lot of focus on decoupling from China. Um, there will never be a full decouple from China. I don't think we'll ever have even a majority decouple from China. But there's some key industries like semiconductors and, and you know pharmaceuticals, some healthcare aspects that people really do want to decouple from China because we saw through the pandemic that supply chains are very, very dependent on on China. And so Americans want many of those core things closer to home. So um, they're you know they're focused on decoupling. Um, for some reason, uh, people in Congress are just becoming aware that the CCP is in charge of everything in China. So um, they've underestimated the influence of the CCP, and they're waking up to the fact that they're central in China. Um, we had a couple of former national security advisors suggesting things like accelerating the arming of Taiwan and helping Chinese circumvent the, the Great Firewall, those sorts of things. Um, and then, of course, human rights. They talked about CCP police outposts that are in U.S. cities where there are actually these CCP outposts that will pursue Chinese nationals within the U.S., other things. So so it's it's a pretty um, it's a pretty taking a pretty tough stance on China. Um, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure to what uh, extreme that will go and what policies will be adopted uh, yet. But I think it's definitely trying to at least uncover some of the things that um, that Americans haven't been aware of. 
keep in mind a little bit of this is theater, right? It's it's people in Congress holding hearings to publicize some of you know whatever their agenda is. Uh, so you know I think it's it's a little bit of of that so that they can then move into legislation and move the needle just a little bit. I don't see we'll think we'll see anything extreme, um, but you'll certainly see some extreme talk over the next couple months. Yeah, but does this change the way fund managers invest? Okay, you've got this continuing geopolitical tension between US and China. Is it going to stop, for example, American fund managers from, from buying Chinese stocks? Um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think it, it definitely puts China uh, as a higher risk uh, for US portfolio managers. And uh, I think certainly over the past couple of years, more U.S. portfolio managers have become aware of the risks uh, of investing in China as supply chains close down, those sorts of things. So um, I think you will see more of a uh, tighter risk calibration and more of a weighting of risk for Chinese equities. So it could be, you know, it it could potentially be, uh, be not good for American uh, money investing in Chinese exchanges. Absolutely. Tony, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees uh, moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. I mean, as he was talking about how March is possibly going to be down, um, although not as down as February, I couldn't help but thinking, oh, beware the Ides of March. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, and, you know, still still choppy out there, especially as the FOMC will be having their meeting uh, this month. I think everyone's going to wait and see how, how much they're going to hike those rates. Yeah, and he gave some predictions on Malaysia as well. He thinks the market will possibly be up by about 1% in March, but the market has been quite disappointing as it is in Malaysia. And he also expects the China market to be down in March by about 2%. And he spoke about the geopolitical risk, which may impact US fund managers as well. Well, Rizal Stevenson is over in Malaysia, right? The index, how did it respond? By doing almost nothing. We're at 1,450 points. We aren't going anywhere. We're, in fact, down 3% on a year-to-date basis. Looks like our our results season wasn't stellar anyway, and guidance doesn't seem to be particularly optimistic. Well, let's take a look at some of the corporate earnings that have come across our table from the international business world. We have Salesforce, the cloud software maker, beat Wall Street expectations on profit and forecast. Uh, this sent the shares, this, the shares soaring 16% in extended trading. Earnings were $1.68 per, sh- per share versus $1.36 as expected. Revenue was up 14% year on year at $8.4 billion US dollars. However, the company did report a loss of 98 million US dollars, which is more than it did a quarter, a year ago quarter. They're also cutting 10% of their workforce, and that's about 7,000 people. And the restructuring strategy will lead to $828 million in costs during the quarter. So profitability has become a high priority in Salesforce, which in recent months, they've been getting a lot of pressure from the influx of activist investors, the likes of Third Point, Elite Management and Starboard Value. But they're guiding the first fiscal first quarter to see an adjusted earnings in the range of $1.60 to $1.61, which is higher than what analysts are expecting. Finally, sanity is prevailing. Guys, remember this thing called profit? Yes, (laughs) go and look for it. Go and find it because companies need it to survive. 
wonderful. It's not how it's not how fast you can use your cash pile, but hey, basically it's the returns, right? Uh, but the street still likes it. Forty two buys, eleven holes, one sell. Consensus target price, hundred and ninety four US dollars and forty nine cents. Last done price during regular market hours, hundred sixty seven US dollars and thirty five cents, up three dollars and seventy four cents. It is seven nineteen a.m. We're gonna head into some messages, but we'll come back and look at more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.